to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints together. Thus far our text. Called to be saints together to be the body of Christ, to be one big happy family, called to support one another in times of need, called to rejoice with one another when good things happen, called to be Christians. Paul begins his letter to the Corinthians speaking with that idea in mind, called together. It's a big thing for him to talk about because the truth is really nothing in the city of Corinth is united together. The city of Corinth was divided and for good reason. It had been a hard few years for the city. In the year 146 BC, and please excuse this little historical excursion, in the year 146 BC, the city of Corinth was conquered by the Romans, and all the men that lived in the city were put to death, and all the women and the children were sold into slavery. The buildings of the city were all burned down, and only a few of the poorest of the poor continued to live in the area. The city stayed in ruins for 100 years until Julius Caesar, have you heard of him, refounded the city as a Roman colony. He needed a place to settle his army, and Corinth was the place. For the next few years, Romans, Greeks, and Jews streamed into the city, raising its population again, finally to a mighty status. The city became a center of trade, an economic hub, because of its location near the Isthmus of Corinth. A road was built right outside the city walls that allowed boats and goods to be carried across land four miles rather than dangerously sailed around the Greek peninsula 350 miles. And each cart of goods that went by the city paid a tax. The city grew wealthy and influential and powerful. But the city was still divided. Politics, business, family influence, and religion divided the Corinthians. The Greeks, who were descended from those poorest of the poor, still felt intellectually superior to the Romans. The Romans, had conquered them all the same and loved 
to rub it in their noses. Moving into the city were Jews who had recently been kicked out of the city of Rome by the Emperor Claudius, who died 1,966 years ago yesterday. The city was divided because each of these groups spoke a different language. Each of these groups worshiped their gods differently. Each of these groups hated the other too. And they fought with each other all the time, publicly and privately. This is the city that Paul entered and visited in Acts chapter 18, in about the year 48 AD. He began to preach in the synagogue, but was kicked out by the Jews of Corinth. He found a Roman sympathizer whose house was right next door to the synagogue, and they began to have church there. Can you imagine the shouting matches as Paul preached loudly and the sound overflowed into the synagogue? The Jews became so angry, they brought Paul before the Roman proconsul, Gallio, and charged him with worshiping God wrongly. As a result of this political conflict, Sosthenes, who was mentioned in the beginning of the epistle lesson, is publicly flogged. Does that sound like one big happy family? Does it sound like everybody is united together, called together, getting along? Not at all. The divisions that existed also overflowed into the Christian church. That's what the whole epistle of 1 Corinthians is about. There were members of the church <clears throat> committing sexual immorality with each other. And Paul tells us the specifics. A man was sleeping with his father's wife. Adultery within the family. How well did that unite the Christian church? So much so that Paul wrote that those two should be kicked out along with any others who were unrepentant in regard to their sins of greed, theft, idolatry, drunkenness, sexual immorality, homosexuality, and more. Purge the evil from among you, Paul said. Called together? No, the Christian church was divided. And it wasn't just about sin, it was about politics and court settlements and judgments as well. Christians were suing one another in Corinth rather than talking to each other in Christian love, rather than reconciling their issues, rather than being kind to one another. Rather than 
walk across the sanctuary and talk to the person the conflict was with. They called a lawyer. They sent a summons. They expected judges to solve their problems. Called together, united as the body of Christ, not at all, divided. Paul says, it's better to suffer loss than to win in a court case between two Christians. Something they needed to hear. The church was divided. Divided on their understandings of what marriage was. Husbands weren't sacrificing themselves in love for their wives. Wives weren't submitting themselves to their husbands as was proper. And so what happened? Conflict between Christian spouses. One of them sleeping on the couch rather than with the other. Divorce running rampant. Families being torn apart. Spouses. So angry they're unable to speak to one another. United? Called together? No. The church was divided. There were conflicts about who would be holier, who would be more Christian than the other, based upon whether or not someone was circumcised or if they weren't. There were Christians elevating themselves over each other based upon whether they were born as a slave or they were born free, whether they were poor or they were wealthy. Shouting matches at the voters' meeting about who was eating food that had come from Greek temples versus just a normal butcher shop. Conflicts about who could speak other languages. An important thing in a city that spoke Latin and Greek and Aramaic. Conflicts even about Christian doctrine. The Lord's Supper. What was the Lord's Supper? Who can take the Lord's Supper? Conflict in the city. Conflict in the church. Conflict in the family. And Paul writes our text tonight to deal with all these issues. The city was divided, the church was divided, families were divided. In other words, things back then looked a lot like things today. 
We're divided, aren't we? Have you watched the news lately? Is everybody getting along? One big happy family? No. We're divided about who we're going to vote for. Divided by the neighborhood we live in. Divided by our socioeconomic status, by what we wear, by who our parents are, by what our genetic race is, about what we think about political events and issues. Divided about whether we should support a Supreme Court justice or not. Divided about where we'll eat dinner after church is over. Our families are divided over conflicts, usually foolish ones, over foolish things that we regret later on. We have marriage issues as well, don't we? Adultery is rampant. Computer screens, cell phones, even physical actions bring it right into our own laps. Divorce? just as common now as it was back then. We're divided as a church about safety standards, how far apart to sit, theological positions, worship style, who sits in the back of the church, who sits in the front of the church, who's in charge of how much coffee grounds to put in the coffee pot on Sunday morning. Is it too strong? Or too weak? Is the temperature in the sanctuary too hot or too cold? Who puts up the Christmas decorations? What Christmas decorations are they? Where do they sit in the sanctuary? One big happy family called together in the blood of Christ. It doesn't appear that way. Rather, it seems sin separates us. Sin distances us. Sin keeps us from acting like Christians. That's the bottom line, isn't it? For the Corinthians, for us, for the world, we are sinners who love ourselves a lot more than we love our neighbors. In fact, if we're really to be honest, that's the one thing that unites every person in the entire world. We're sinful. To our very shame, United by sin, which actually divides us from all the people God has placed in our lives. Paul writes the epistle from our scripture lesson tonight to begin a long, slow, difficult process of bringing together the church in Corinth. And what he says 
also can unite us as Christians in our world today. I'd encourage you to read the entire epistle of 1 Corinthians. Paul is rather blunt quite often. He calls sin, sin. He doesn't beat around the bush. When someone's in the wrong, he speaks the truth about it. Purge the evil from among you, he says. But he's also blunt about the forgiveness earned on a cross, earned by the Son of God in human flesh, who was killed to forgive all sin, who raised from the dead to declare that reality to all of us, as well as forgiveness to the Corinthians. We would do well to hear Paul's words, which he writes to bring the Corinthians and you back to your baptism, where your sin was washed away in the blood of Christ, where you were clothed with the robe of his righteousness that covers all your guilt and shame and sorrow, where you were adopted into the family of God, brought before his very face to live with him forever. Paul teaches the Corinthians and you about the Lord's Supper where you eat the very body and blood of Jesus for forgiveness, life, and salvation. Where you are given that great gift, the food of life, so that your faith may grow and increase and ever look to Jesus. Paul is blunt to the Corinthians about how important God's Word is, about how it sustains us, about how the Holy Spirit works in us to call us to be Christians, to sanctify us, to unite us as one body of Christ in the forgiveness Jesus earned. Paul's words call out to the Corinthians to repent of their sins and to look to Jesus, and his words call out to you also. Return to Jesus, who loved you enough to die for you, who cleanses you, who feeds you, who sustains you, and gives you everything you need here and now and in the resurrection that is to come. 
Paul writes to unite you, as it says in our epistle lesson, in the grace of God that was given you in every way that you were enriched in all speech and knowledge so that you're not lacking any spiritual gifts as you wait for the coming back of Jesus who will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into this fellowship called together in the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. It might look outwardly like we're divided. We might feel separated, socially distanced, alone. But the truth is, we are one body of Christ. We are united in that we are all saved by Jesus. We're united in the forgiveness God offers and bestows through word and sacrament. We're united as Christians. That means we're never alone again. That means we're free to forgive those we're in conflict with. It means we have a unity that goes beyond skin color, socioeconomic status, neighborhoods that we live in, clothes that we wear, politicians we support. We're united in Jesus. And Paul begins the epistle to the Corinthians by reminding them of that unity. And we end thinking about it as well. As Paul wrote, I give thanks to God always for each of you because of the grace of God given to you that unites us into the fellowship of Jesus. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ, called to be saints together. That's us. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.